an NY2C exclusive podcast. You're listening to On The Call, the latest news and opinions on all things New York sports. With Joey Rinaldi and Derek Futter. On The Call starts now. Welcome to another episode of On the Call, the sports podcast from NY2C, exclusively on NY2C.com. You can watch us talk sports each and every week or listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Derek Futterman. That's Joey Rinaldi. How are you doing this morning, Joey? I am doing great because I'm officially a Brooklyn Nets fan, baby. Are you? Uh, So you're saying that you're a, a truther of someone who just got traded there? My favorite NBA player is coming Back to the sport with yes, the Brooklyn Nets, and I'm super excited. I've been a Ben Simmons truther since LSU. Being on this guy's fan base has been really tough and grueling because when he was at LSU, people said he didn't like basketball and he didn't give his heart to LSU. Then he went to the Sixers and he wasn't getting along with Embiid, and then he took some time off. And I've been hearing so many people say bad things about Simmons everybody's going to change their opinions once they see him in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. He's going to be better than Kyrie, better than Katie. He's going to be the MVP of the Nets. You're hearing it here first. I'm so excited. The, the, the Nets won this trade so much. It's the best trade in NBA history for the Nets. Well, let's talk about it uh, because the guy they traded quit on the team. Inexplicably, it's the simplest way to say it. For the second straight year, he quit on a team. James Harden, uh, who the Nets had acquired just a year prior, and he already had been second all-time in triple doubles, was putting up big numbers with Brooklyn, struggled a little this year, but he was still second in the league in assists. He gets traded. Uh, even though players the last few days and Coach Steve Nash saying, no, he's committed here, he's going to stay here, and he'll probably sign an extension, all that stuff. No, James Harden's out of town, back with former GM Daryl Morey, who was in Houston with him, and he's going to go to Philly, and now he will be booed every time he's in Barclays Center because Brooklyn Nets fans, I don't think, are ever going to forgive him for what they put this team through. And Brooklyn had good foresight to get rid of him. So him and uh, Harden and Paul Millsap go to Philadelphia in exchange. It is Ben Simmons coming back to the Brooklyn Nets, along with Seth Curry, one of the best three-point shooters of all time. You got Andre Drummond at center, who is going to be a body size for Brooklyn, and they get a first-round pick this year and a first-round pick in 2027. So I would have to agree with you, Joey. I think in the long term, Brooklyn won this deal. But it all depends in the short term how and if Ben Simmons is able to come back strong. You said so many things that I find adorable. It's very, very cute that you think that Nets fans will boo James Harden. You were talking about a fan base that when other players come to their stadium, whether it's Steph Curry, John Morant, the Nets fans are shouting MVP for these people. I've never seen a Nets fan be loyal to the Nets in the history of their move to Brooklyn. So I don't know if they're actually going to boo James Harden. There's a chance they may be chanting MVP chance to James Harden when he's in the arena. So I love, I love, I love your enthusiasm and I love your your belief in the Nets fan base. But you don't so have that far, same belief. No, no, I, I don't think Nets fan base really exists. However, I, 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 I'm joining the Nets fan base, and I will be the only person in the stadium booing James Harden. Hopefully, I can get a few other people to come with me to boo. If we can get 10 people to boo, I'll be happy. 
I think getting Ben Simmons to Brooklyn, Joey, makes the Nets better long term. He is a defender. He does not need to shoot the ball outside the paint in Brooklyn, even though he has been working on his jumper. I don't think that, you know, look, Harden's style of play is dominant ball handler. He was getting better assisting. He was passing the ball. But I just think in the system that Brooklyn has, you have enough guys who can put the ball in the basket. And I think Ben Simmons is exactly what this team needed. Size at the guard position, defense, and just an all-around versatile player who can develop even more. And he's under contract for three more years after this one ends. 25 years old, Harden's 32 with hamstring issues. So I think Brooklyn definitely won this deal long-term. Yeah, and and as you said, so let's just go over the semantics. What did James Harden provide to the Nets? He was a three-point threat playmaker, and he really wasn't doing much on defense. He also wasn't doing anything off ball. Like when he had the ball, he was playmaking, he was shooting threes, he was driving. But off ball, he was I can you can look up clips. His off ball was hands on his hips and he just looks checked out. So even though I'm not saying Seth Curry is better than James Harden, because he's definitely not, Seth Curry actually comes in and actually replaces James Harden a little bit by he's a three-point threat. He also is a playmaker. And on top of that, he will try his ass off on defense, try his ass off off ball. On top of that, you have Ben Simmons, who is now, what, top five defender? He can guard. I would say he is the best defender from the guard position while healthy. I agree with that. Like, now when they go in the playoffs and they're playing, let's see what the teams are playing. If they're playing the Bucs, he can guard uh, Middleton or Giannis. If they play... Um, who are the, the play in Chicago? He can shut down DeRozan. Miami like they, Butler. That's another he can one. He shut down Butler. And, and, and this makes so much work easier for Durant because do you not remember last season in the playoffs, Durant was giving all of his effort on offense, then guarding Durant Giannis was out of his on, mind in the playoffs last year. I mean, the guy was putting up like 35 points a game, it seemed like. And he was playing will, D. This will make Durant's life so much easier, especially because. I know James Harden's a good passer, but Ben Simmons also is an amazing passer. He can dish Durant the ball. And as you said, Drummond's a body. We, the Nets, there's so many injuries in the Nets. There's so many young guys in the Nets. The fact that they have a guy who's a veteran, who's a body, who won't get injured, who is strong, who is tall. Overall, this is such a good positive thing for the Nets. When do you think Simmons will come back, Derek? I think Simmons will be back by the end of the month. Uh, by the end of February, I anticipate Simmons on the court because Brooklyn needs him right now because the Nets have now lost 10 straight games. In fact, this is their longest losing streak in, I believe, a decade or so. They are not playing well on the court. They're they're not playing defense. They're not hitting their shots consistently. I mean, they lost the other night to the Wizards by one. Literally, they, they, they could not win the game at the buzzer. They couldn't find an open look. Kyrie Irving has been playing well when he's been healthy. He put up 30 against the Wizards now twice. Uh, but I think this team right now needs a change. And I think even in the immediate, you have Seth Curry and Andre Drummond should help things until Kevin Durant comes back. And again, I would think Durant is back as well by the end of the month. Uh, March is going to be a pitiful, pivotal month for this Brooklyn team because they sit at the eighth seed right now. They were in the play in tournament. Uh, and that's only two spots away from sliding out of it entirely. Brooklyn right now cannot afford to keep losing games. Uh, I just think, though, you know, getting rid of Harden right now, clearly there was some tension in that locker room. If you listen to the comments from the Brooklyn players following the deal, there was clearly some disdain towards Harden about his attitude. And he le- he leaves the team in his final game, dropping a whopping four points on two of 11 shooting against the Sacramento Kings. So and that was just breaking a streak where he's, you know, but that streak ended, right? 
which streak? Uh, I'm pretty sure he, he did a 12 assists in that game too. By the way, I'm pretty sure he was on the list for like third all time, uh, 20 point like straight 20 point games. I think he would have like 700 consecutive games, 20 points or more. 20 points and, or more. He had 13 a few nights back against the Timberwolves. Oh, maybe he broke that. Streak. I think you're thinking of a, I think you're thinking of a streak back when he was in Houston because he was never a consistent 20 point a game guy in Brooklyn. Not at least not at least for that long. No, I'm pre- I'm pretty sure he broke that streak very recently. Like, maybe, did he have another four point game recently? So remember he had a four. Are point you saying game. Are you saying points of ten or more? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm pretty sure it was twenty or more. Okay, we, well we looked that up. We, we'll we'll uh, look into uh, it. We look that up later. Yeah, we'll, point, we'll worry about that later. I mean, right now though, the, Brooklyn needs help. That's simple. The way point is, he was at an all time low in Brooklyn. Yes, he was. But, can I, can I say something to defend my boy James Harden? Because even though I'm happy James Harden's out and I'm a bigger Ben Simmons fan than I'm a James Harden fan, I I I I've I've loved James Harden since he was his rookie season, and I've I've loved watching his whole career. So I, I do want to play devil's advocate for one second. Okay, go ahead. James Harden, before he got to Brooklyn, if you saw his career he was a guy that never missed games he's the guy that put his all into every single game he was a he was a guy who was a workhorse like when when chris paul would be injured he would be playing 48 minutes a game getting 40 points for for a whole month straight this guy loves working he loves basketball he i say he's like in the top one percent of nba players who truly love playing basketball and he comes to a brooklyn nets team where Kyrie is taking days off, not, not getting the vaccine because he doesn't. So and, and so basically jeopardizing the team, uh, and and it's all these like weird, bad fits, and he's the only one playing hard. Like I know before he started quitting on the team, all the reports is that he was the grown up in the locker room for a very long time. From the moment he got there until he had this meltdown about a month and a half ago, people were calling him the mature one. He was the one who was taking Bruce Brown under his wing and mentoring him. He was the one trying to like really mentor these young players. And I think I can relate with this. I think it got frustrating for him because I'm pretty sure he felt like he was putting in all this work and the team around him wasn't, Take putting that same responsibility in. And on top of that, he was playing in an arena where the fans don't even care about basketball. And I think a lot of that can can really pay a toll on somebody who's as passionate about basketball as James Harden. So even though it's not cool that he quit on the team, I feel like he has reasons to say that the team quit on him first. That, that's, that's a what, justifiable argument. I mean – and the Nets have to realize that they're not a shoe in for the playoffs. In fact, they're right now on the verge of falling out completely. This Eastern Conference is very competitive. It's very close. They have the Miami Heat coming up as well. And they're the best team in the conference right now. It's not going to be easy. But I want to get your thoughts on real fast before we move on. Uh, the NBA All-Star Draft was this week as well. And you had captains LeBron James and Kevin Durant again this year. Uh, KD will not be playing in the game. Uh, he's not sure when he's coming back again. I would think by the end of the month, but... I have no inside information uh, to confirm that. Anyway, Durant's starting lineup is Ja Morant, Trey Young, Jason Tatum, Andrew Wiggins, and Joel Embiid. Meanwhile, Team LeBron is Steph Curry, DeMar DeRozan. LeBron is going to play, so him in there. Uh, Nikola Jokic and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, But then they went to the reserves, and Durant had the first pick of the reserves, and he 
you just he did his picks. Uh, LeBron did his picks, and it came down to the final two picks. You had Rudy Gobert or James Harden. Harden Which went is all hilarious. the way to the end, and Durant went Gobert. And I mean, at this point, you know, you can read between the lines and see that James Harden did not leave Brooklyn on good terms. Which is hilarious because James Harden throughout Durant's career has been his boy. And Rudy Gobert is somebody Durant does not like. Durant hates Yeah, well, Rudy I Gobert. think I think we see how he feels towards Harden right now. I just wanted to throw that out there because you read between the lines, you could see what was going on. And that was just, it was great to watch uh, the other day as well because you could just see everything unfolding. And you kind of had an inside look at how it feels to be a player, especially a superstar player, once a major trade happens with your team. Also, it's hilarious that that starting draft worked out that way because LeBron's team is so much better than Durant's team. Durant's team sucks. Oh, I, I, LeBron is four and zero in All Star games. So, and he and he had to lay clipboard as well to cover his laughing. Uh, he, had, he had a clipboard. That's great. Oh yeah, you got to watch the clip. It, it was. I need to watch the clip. I heard yeah, about yeah. it. I got. I, got, I saw t- tweets about it. Yeah, you should uh, watch it. And, and uh, furthermore, um, there's one more thing I want to talk about regarding. Okay, because we got we got another basketball team to discuss too in New York. You know, we can get there in a second. There was just yeah. one more. Oh, this is the last thing I want to talk about. Okay, go ahead. Derek, you are a guy that follows all sports, correct? Correct. You, you know all the sports. You're following yes. it all. Yes. Have you ever seen in your lifetime, and I'm not just asking basketball. I'm asking just any sport in general. Any, okay. Okay. A general manager, an executive, have a relationship with a player the way Daryl Morey has with James Harden? You're not allowed to compare Peyton Manning with John Elway. Because I feel like Peyton Manning and John Elway, their relationship was surrounded around around them being both quarterbacks. Before yeah, no, John no, no. Elway Daryl Morey was, was yeah. John Elway was a was a quarterback before he was ever a general manager. Daryl Morey is a, just an analytics business guy from Wall Street who ended up like I've never seen. Have you have you ever seen any executive be this close to a player? I really want to know. There were rumblings a while ago that James Harden was going to end up in Philadelphia. And it ended up being forcing a trade. Didn't want to do it publicly, but let's be real. We'll call it what it was. He forced the deal. That's neither here nor there right now. I think the major thing is that the Brooklyn Nets are getting Ben Simmons back. And when he takes the court again, I think they have a better big three than they did in the past. I couldn't agree more because Durant played so well with Draymond Green and Golden State Warriors. And I feel like Ben Simmons is a faster, younger, cooler, uh, probably sweeter and more sensitive uh, version of Draymond Green. And I'm excited to see Ben Simmons play that Draymond Green role. Well, let's move on because a certain New York team beat Draymond Green's team the other day as well. Welcome back to On the Call, an NY2C exclusive podcast. The New York Knicks beat the Golden State Warriors without RJ Barrett. I mean, the Knicks had been struggling. They had lost three straight games going into that. They didn't play well. On this road trip against the Lakers, they lost a close one. They lost a close one to the Jazz, and then they got blown out by Denver. But the Knicks yesterday, uh, RJ got hurt in garbage time of the game against Denver, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, But the Warriors lost to Brooklyn. I mean, no, the Warriors lost to the New York Knicks. Now, the Warriors have lost to Brooklyn, but not this year. The Knicks beat Golden State. RJ was not playing. And guess who did get some minutes? Cam Reddish. And he played all of those minutes. Of course he played well. Cam Reddish is so goddamn good. He is my man. I'm looking at the box score right now because I want to get the stats correct. He had 12 points, 19 minutes. He had, he had 12 points, 19 minutes, 50% from the field, one for three, three assists. He is my guy. And I 
want him in the starting lineup. Take goddamn Kemba Walker out. Now that you got Grimes in there, play Grimes at point guard. Put Cam Reddish at small forward. And let the boy cook. He is a chef, and he deserves to be in the goddamn kitchen. Where's RJ going in that lineup? Are you pulling Fournier out too? I thought RJ Barrett's injured. No, but when he comes back, are you just saying the temporary lineup? Okay. Oh, no, no, no. I agree when, with you. When RJ comes back, take Grimes out of the lineup and make RJ Barrett the point guard. You, you can make that argument. I mean, I don't disagree with that. Or Randall uh, the point guard. Well, I will say this. Julius Randall, uh, who we thought, I thought he was getting traded. He's looking a lot better suddenly. 28 points last night, 16 rebounds, 37 minutes, seven assists. The guy is three assists short of a triple-double. Uh I think that's a positive development for a rough season for Randall. I mean, maybe we just call this a uh, a kind of sophomore slash junior year slump. I mean, he's been with the next three years now, but sophomore year coming off the comeback player of the year award or most improved. I'm sorry, most improved player of the year award. Uh, so you could call it that. But I think the Knicks actually just had a good game defensively. And the Knicks are not out of this race yet. Let's be real. They can get to that 10 spot. They can get in the play in. And all you need to do is be in that play in tournament for something to go your way come playoff time. I mean, they, they look, Steph Curry did have 35 against them. That That's a big game for him. Klay Thompson put up 17. Kaminga had 17. But the Knicks were able to hold off Golden State. And they now wrap up this uh, Western Conference trip uh, against the Portland Trailblazers, who also just made a trade of their own, dealing C.J. McCollum to the Pelicans. And they're pretty much rebuilding now because Dame Lillard is out for the year uh, with an injury. So, Joey, uh, going forward here, the Knicks didn't make any deals. Do you think that was the right move? I don't think not making any moves was the right move. However, I think not making any moves is one of the better moves they could have done. I understand. Just yeah. because I don't trust the Knicks general managers in front office. Not that I think they're idiots. I, I, I think Leon Rose is cool, and, and I think all those guys are fine. But New York Knicks have a history of making really bad trades. And I was so relieved when I read the, the C.J. McCollum trade. Reading that C.J. McCollum trade made me so happy, Derek, because it was so nice seeing another organization make the dumb Knicks trade. That was an obvious dumb Knicks trade. I think there was uh, a better trade that went down this week that you could call a dumb Knicks trade, and that was the deal that sent Tyrese Halliburton at 21 years old to the Indiana Pacers. If he was available, the Knicks should have been in on him. I mean, I'm sorry. So, that was the move to make. But anyway, continue. Well, 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 no, 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 no. Well, that's not a dumb trade for the Pacers. The Pacers. No, I'm talking about from the standpoint of the Kings. Yeah, no, the Kings made a dumb trade. I mean, they got them out the Sabonis and he played well for them at his debut. But still, I mean, I don't think that's a good long term trade, but, but I'm but not in a different office. But but, but, that, but what I'm saying is trading. No, CJ McCollum's a bad trade. CJ McCollum is a guy who's 32 years. I think he's, he's like in his 30s or yes. he's about to be in his 30s. Yes. He makes freaking more money than anyone I've ever met. He, he makes $29.35 million at 30 years old. Yeah, he makes so much money. <laughs> he's in, he's injury prone. He has a bad back. The, a bad back is – you don't recover from that. It just lingers and gets worse the older you get. The dude, it's like hard and hamstrings. Exactly. Well, not a hard and hamstrings. He, he, that's a whole different story. The point <laughs> is T.J. McConnell – Is he healthy now? <laughs> Yeah, James Harden. He's wearing number one in Philly, by the way. I'm telling that. you right now, James Harden is a healthy, and he's wearing a fat suit. He's going to be 20 pounds skinnier in Philly. I'm telling you right now, he's wearing a fat suit. He, I, I bet he, I bet his cheeks are going to look skinnier. He's been, he's been puffing. He's been, 
He's been stuffing his cheeks, Derek. The man has been stuffing his face, his belly. His, he's, been wearing, uh, he's been stuffing his booty. He's, this guy's going to look 30 pounds lighter in Philly. Well, we'll see his debut. Uh, I'll, I'll certainly, we'll, we'll certainly be watching us. Look, I'm telling you, he's going to look better than he's ever looked before. Because but, I mean, like, have if, you ever played these video games, Derek, where like you get like a bonus pack and it makes you like 10 points better? Yeah, no, the boost. That's Daryl Morey to James Horden. When James Horden is with Daryl Morey, he gets like this bonus pack. He plays better. He looks. What is better. it like Mario when he gets the uh, when he when he hits the question mark? Do, 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 do. Yep. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you're telling me James Harden's about to be the MVP of the league again? He's about to be the MVP of the league again. So all Brooklyn and really had to do this whole time was get Daryl Morey. Yes, any team that has Daryl Morey and James Harden's. I'm sorry, team. we were talking Knicks and we went back to the Nets. I'm just saying, look, back to the Knicks thing. I'm saying if a point guard with the caliber of Tyrese Halliburton was available, I really think that would have been the deal to trade Julius Randle in. But do you think uh, Julius Randle is a better offer than Sabonis? Do I think he's a better offer than Sabonis? I'm not sure. Sabonis was having a down year. The contracts are different. I don't think it would have been that different. I think Sabonis is a bit better overall, but... I, I don't think it would have been a huge difference. I think I think the Knicks could have thrown in one more piece and gotten that deal done. Yeah, I think you're right. But I wonder why the Kings didn't make it clear to everybody that like, like do you think Halliburton wasn't available in the Pacers GM just really like tickled the other GM's feathers, you think? Because the Knicks definitely had no idea someone- that. Something tells me something was off that day with the uh, Sacramento front office. I, I don't know how you make that move. I'm sorry. I'm just – I look, you traded Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson in the deal as well. And they're older players, and they, they provide value, but – Heald's mean, great. I think yeah, Heald is so underrated. Heald is having a down year, though. But Halliburton – Halliburton is just the guy the with best. so much potential. I mean, did I think he's, gonna, I think he's the... going to lead Indiana back to the playoffs now. I really do in the next few years. Did you watch any of the King games when – De'Aaron Fox was injured, and it was Halliburton by himself. Uh, yeah, I think I was at one of them at MSG. Dude, Halliburton, when he was without Fox, was so good. He was getting like 20 points a game, nine assists a game, and I even think he was getting like four or five rebounds. The dude is a gamer. He's a baller. He's somebody that makes everyone else around him better. And the paces are stupid because the paces are like, we want to rebuild. We want to rebuild. You're not going to rebuild with Tyrese uh, Halliburton on your team because he – remember I was talking about the, 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 the mushroom? Tyrese Halliburton is like a mushroom for everyone he's on the court with. He's because, a power-up. Because everybody around him plays better because he knows how to find them. And I'm going to list all the point guards in the league that make you – that make their teammates better. It's not a big list. So basically you have Steph Curry. You have um, – who else? Who else? What? John Morant. Well, no, no, no. Chris no, Paul. No, no, I'm talking about point guards that make their players better by distributing. Okay, well, Chris Paul. It's, it's Steph Curry. It's Chris Paul. It's, you could say Harden at times. Harden, Harden Ben Simmons, Simmons Trey yes. Young, yep. and Halliburton. And Tyrese and, Halliburton. And every other point guard is a score-first point guard. Like Derrick Rose and, and Westbrook and Steph Curry. And I mean, Dame Lillard. Westbrook and, and Derrick Rose made this new model of point guard that every point guard follows. Think about every point guard on every team. They're all yeah. like, 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 they're all like scary Terry. They're all like LaMelo Ball. They're, they're all like these guys that like to run and gun. Kyle Lowry. And Kyle Lowry. Well, Kyle Lowry makes people better, actually. He's mm-hmm. amazing. The point is, the traditional point guard 
is is not existent anymore. And when you get to have one of those guys, it's valuable. Why do you think old ass injury Ray John Rondo and Rubio keep getting moved around the team to team and keep getting traded? Because teams want those two guys, even though they're not good and they're old. They're two guys that know how to distribute the ball. I, I agree with you. I mean, there are guy there's a different era. I think the guys that are shoot first are more shooting guards these days. I mean, you could call Steph Curry a shooting guard at this point. But what do the Knicks do long term at point guard? Because right now there's no clear option. Uh seems like you have a guess there, Joey. No, my my, my Was that my, Ben Simmons? Is he is he here? No, that's my brother. He's uh he just came in. All right. Well, what do they do long term at point guard? Because then I want to move on because there's we got a little more to discuss. But what do they do at point guard long term? You suggest moving RJ Barrett there. Is he the long term answer at point guard? And you just have a non traditional guy at that position? Do we have the free agent list? Who's the upcoming free agents? I need I need a list. No, well, Kyrie Irving's a free agent. If that no, means. I will never want Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie, Kyrie will. I don't know. By the way, he there's a chance he returns to Brooklyn. I, I have no idea. I mean, if you look at the NBA free agents right now, John Wall is is a guy who stands out. I mean, Goran Dragic. Uh, right now, you don't know what these younger guys are going to do regarding their contracts. So it's kind of hard to see right now. But I, I think the Knicks need to get Damian Lillard any way possible. Uh, he's the guy. He's the guy. Because the Kings are not trading Fox anymore because they're going to build around him. They, they chose Fox over Halliburton. So the people that are sticking out to me right now is there's Ricky Rubio, which I think I would love to get, just but not as like an, an end-all, be-all thing. Just somebody to have in the locker room. Wow, this is a And he was bad... great against the Knicks earlier in the year. I know. The Knicks are going to have to make a trade. It's what about Colin Sexton? Well, he's not really a distributor. Nah, no. Nah. They got to make a deal. That's the only way this gets done. They're gonna, Or they're just going to have to suffer at that position and get veteran guys on short-term deals. Uh, it's the only way. So – just can you walk me through the Dame Lillard trade? Because I don't, I, I don't, I don't. There is no Dame Lillard trade. The Knicks would have to make a trade for Damian Lillard. Portland wants to build around him. That's what I'm asking. The, package. What I mean, me, walk me through the Damian Lillard trade. How would this go down? How would it go down? I mean, the two sides got to talk. I don't know what Portland's looking for right now. I mean, the Knicks obviously have some draft picks. They have cap space, uh, and they have Julius Randle. So you could maybe make a package there and add an additional piece. Emmanuel quickly, maybe as well. I mean, he looks lost lately on the court. Uh, I'm sure he'll get snap out of that funk, but uh, we'll see. I mean, it's certainly interesting, but I think Lillard is the guy the Knicks had targeted for a while, uh, and it just never, it just hasn't come to fruition. How but, many draft picks? How many? I don't know off the top of my head. I mean, they they have draft capital though. They they don't have. They let's put it this way: they have a lot more than the Lakers. Because right now they trade, they traded Rocco, they traded Powell, they traded um, McCollum. CJ McCollum. Uh, and they're not getting anything back. Have you seen these? Have you seen these returns? That's have they, you seen these returns? Yeah, that's why the deal has to be massive. Portland is clearly has a longer play in mind. Uh, the Blazers then, you know, are getting nothing back, and because they're getting nothing back, this means we need to start trading. They got Josh Hart. Yeah, I know, but he's a young guy that helps yes, he you is. later in life. So that means that they want young in draft picks. Fournier and Randall are not young. That means they got to trade four draft picks and a bunch of just. So they basically got to trade money filler and, and draft picks. So probably so you got to like, trade Grimes, Robinson, and a bunch of picks. And Grimes, maybe another Robinson and quickly and picks. Yeah, probably, probably that. They're probably that. But anyway, let's move on uh, because there's actually baseball news to discuss. Uh, there I is. To say that. Yeah. Welcome back to On the Call, an NY2C exclusive podcast. 
the Major League Baseball and the players are meeting Saturday to discuss terms of a new collective bargaining agreement. Uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred said that spring training is still scheduled to start on time, uh, even though I would anticipate a slight delay. Uh, Where is this meeting happening, on Zoom or in person? I don't know where it's happening. I think it's an in-person meeting. But the owners met this week. Uh, apparently, it's a good-faith proposal coming on Saturday. What has been agreed to are three things. Number one, there will be a draft lottery going forward in Major League Baseball. The worst team will no longer automatically get the number one pick, so that obviously upholds competitive balance and uh, prevents teams from intentionally tanking. The second thing that happens is a elimination of draft pick compensation for free agents who leave their teams and sign elsewhere. There's stipulations that determine if a player uh, was had been eligible for draft pick compensation back. So that is no longer going to happen. And number three, and this is the one I want to get your take on, is that the universal designated hitter has been agreed to. The National League will have a DH. Pitchers will no longer hit. So what are your thoughts there, Joey? I don't know. I always liked how different the NL was versus the AL, but screw it. More offense. I'm more into it. Let's get into it. This makes the pitching more uh, valuable. And uh, I guess DeGrom can become a better pitcher now, now that he doesn't have to focus on hitting bombs all the time. Yeah, get, get hurt at the plate. I mean, because he did get hurt at the plate a few times last year. So, so yeah, you know, this is good. This is an overall good thing. I'm excited, and I'm just glad that people are going to get paid because I'm pretty sure Pete Alonso – has Pete Alonso still not been paid? Uh, he's made an arbitration, but I assume that there'll be an extension coming uh, his way. Maybe DeGrom will sign an extension as well come season. Judge for the Yankees as someone you could look at. But I think the moment this ends, this lockout ends, you are going to see a frenzy of action you've never seen before. There's arbitration to deal with. There's the Rule 5 draft. There's free agents. There's spring training opening. There's new managers trying to establish cultures. Uh, it's it's really insane what we're about to get into here uh, because and I anticipate this lockout ending in the next two weeks. That is my prediction. Okay. As soon here. as the lockout ends, what are the moves of the Mets and the Yankees? The moves they, to the Mets, it's very simple. It's two moves they need to make, uh, aside from a few minor bullpen pieces, like maybe Tony Watson as a lefty back there. The two moves the Mets must make. Number one, they need a bat, and the answer to that is Chris Bryant. He's versatile, can play all over the place, and then you trade J.D. Davis and get bullpen pieces back and some and some minor league uh, players as well. But the second move, and this is the move that would shock the baseball world, is that the Mets get Clayton Kershaw, and they have a top three of DeGrom, Scherzer, Kershaw walking in the next year. That's the moves I think the Mets need to make. I mean, there are other guys out there, sure, that can fill needs. And there are many guys that are trade candidates. So we'll see. But those are the two moves that stick out to me. The Mets payroll is $270 million. How is free agent? I mean, $270 million. They're already over the luxury tax. They already have the highest payroll in baseball. I think they're going to hit $300 million and eclipse $300 million. I just have a question. I have a question. If this guy... Couldn't handle the LA pressure. I know he won the World Series, but like he was. What do you mean? He's one of the best pitchers in Dodgers history. He could handle the pressure. It's just getting older. Playoffs. He he has not. Yes, playoffs is is true. He was better in the past. How do you think he's going to handle the New York pressure? Because the New York pressure is ten times worse than the LA pressure. Especially he can be the bullpen piece in the playoffs. You just need to get to the playoffs, and that's not easy. Even though an expanded postseason is not out of the question in the new CBA, but it is not easy to get to the playoffs. But once you make what, it, anything happens. Like, I feel like New York could kill a guy like Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw, though, is, you know, he's thrown like two no-hitters in his career. He's already quite experienced. Like, I, I just think you get him. I don't know. Cy Carlos Young? Rodon does is the like, other guy. Does he have like three Cy Youngs, too? Pretty sure. I mean, Carlos Rodon is the other guy, but he's been injury-prone his whole career. He's a hard-throwing lefty from the White Sox free agent as well. No, I love Clayton Kershaw. I'm just 
as I get older, I always worry about like that. I'm even worried about Ben Simmons. I actually, I'm sorry to bring this back to Ben Simmons, yeah. but the reason why I'm not worried about Ben Simmons is because I don't believe Brooklyn Nets has the New York pressure. I feel like Brooklyn Nets is still, for all the purposes, still in New Jersey because I go to the Barclays Center. I've been to the Barclays Center with you, and you don't really feel that New York angst, that New York pressure. The when you walk in the city field. You feel it. If you look at the guy the wrong stadium, way, you feel it. If you look at the guy the wrong way, they may dump their beer on you. That's what I'm saying. That's like New York mentality. And I so have I, though one more prediction for you. Cause you also with the Yankees, what's going to happen there. Let me tell you what's going to happen with the Yankees. Their fan base is not happy. They're seeing Steve Cohen spend money across town. They're seeing the Mets get better and they're seeing the Yankees do nothing and stay flat. So here's what has to happen for them. They need a first baseman. I think the Yankees were going to make a trade with Oakland to get Matt Olson. I think that's what happens in the Bronx. The only other option, and the better option, but the only other option is that they land Freddie Freeman in free agency, which is possible, but I don't know. I still don't see him leaving Atlanta. I think Rizzo's going back to the Cubs. So I think Olson's their guy at first base. And other than that, I don't think there's much else to say what the Yankees will do. I don't think Carlos Correa goes there. I actually think Correa may go to, back to Houston on a short-term deal for uh, for lower dollars at this point. But we'll see. There's a lot to be determined. Is there no room for the Mets to get Correa, or is that Correa? Oh, there's always room. There's always room. The guys can slide over. I mean, you could play Correa at third. I, I Here's another underrated move. The Mets should get Trevor Story. He had a down year last year, playing him at second. I like Trevor's story yeah, a lot. and he can run, and he can run. And you have Marte now. You'll get Starling Marte and Trevor's story. That's actually a move that the Mets should consider. They should then, do that. Yeah, they should. And then you could trade Dom Smith and J.D. Davis and D.H. Cano all year. I cannot wait to just sit in a dive bar watching baseball. It's going to be nice again, right? I mean, we're looking forward to the return. So, so sitting at a bar is one of my favorite things to do in the whole entire world. And – and there's so many times you're sitting in a bar and you're like, what am I doing here? Should I leave? Should I get one more drink? Should I not get one more drink? Baseball is so long that it's the only time you can sit in a bar and feel justified for sitting there. Because if anyone says, what are you doing here? Uh, shouldn't you go you back home? watching the game. Yeah, they can be like, shouldn't you be home with your wife and your kids? Sh- shouldn't you go back to work? Shouldn't you be be paying your taxes? Shouldn't you be making anything? You'd be like, well, 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 there's five more innings left. I, I, I can't. They go, oh, that, that's a good point. You, you got, you got to watch that of the game. And, yeah. and it, the Mets could be losing, losing 17 to one, and you just put your rally cap on and be like, I don't know. I think this inning is gonna be the inning. This go, I'm gonna turn around. You know what? If we gotta run this inning, I'm buying everyone a beer. And the next thing you know, you're making best friends. You're all clapping. You're high fiving. It's baseball is the best thing to happen to a divorce since uh, beer. <laughs> Well, Joey, uh, let's close out the podcast with a brief mention of the Super Bowl. It is Sunday. And, Joey, uh, I'm sure you're going to be partying or doing something for the game. What are your tips for a great Super Bowl party? If you're hosting a Super Bowl party, don't even think about the people coming. Because the fact that you're giving them a venue to watch the game, that's big enough on its own. Make it about you. Buy the beer that you want to drink. Buy the pizza you want to eat. I don't care if you like Domino's or Dollar Slice or a fancy thin slice Italian. I don't care. Whatever you like, that's the pizza you order. 
Don't even try to impress other people because people are not grateful to begin with. If you even cater to them and try to act good to them, they're still going to come over. They're going to spill beer all over your place. They're going to peel over your toilet seat. It's going to be a madhouse. So do yourself a favor and make it about you. And, and you know what? Make it about you by even – don't even buy beer. Tell them to BYOB because they're going to trash your place, and I want you to have the most fun thing. If you want to get good food, you got to get wings. You got to get pizza. And don't try to overdo it. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Don't try to have like a, a football-shaped cookie or whatever. Don't get fancy. Stick with the basics and make it about the football. And and, and don't make it about this new fun dip you made yourself because you're going to tell people about it. They're not going to want to hear the story about how you found this cool blog with good tips. They're not going to want to even taste it because it probably sucks and you don't know how to make good dip. So just – Trust Domino's, trust the local pizza place, trust the local wing stop. And also, it's Friday. If you didn't order your food yet, you need to order your Super Bowl food a week before because these places are going to be booked up. So if you're listening to this, it's too late. That's going to do it for On the Call today. Uh, We thank you for watching every week on MY2C.com. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Derek Futterman. That's Joey Rinaldi. Before we go, is it Bengals or Rams? Want a quick answer? Rapid fire. Who's winning? My brain says Rams. My heart says Bengals. I agree. But the thing is, the Rams are going to destroy them. It's all Rams, baby. I'm going to say Rams. Rams are the better team in this game. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Joey, do your thing. On the Call. New episodes every week. Available wherever you get your podcasts and online at ny2c.com.